0: This is Signal 337, the podcast for the innately curious and creative. Hey, friends, this is Tim McKenna, and this is another episode of Signal 337. The other day, I was going through my Figma files, and I was trying to do some cleaning up of all the different projects between the different accounts that I have because I get super anxious about having a very messy workspace. So I was going through all my accounts and just cleaning up old files and archiving stuff that no longer is applicable for anything, cleaning out the work files for school, and uh, kind of keeping my day job files all by themselves because they're a different animal. And I was going through my own personal files. And I, I have some old projects that I never really got started I have some projects that are in some phases of completion. And then I have a couple that are out there that are mobile apps and software that actually is launched. And I was looking through all the ideas that never got implemented, looking at all of the comments and all of the flows and the screens that just didn't happen because time crunch. And I think we can all agree that time crunch is something that invariably always happens. And we make decisions about the prioritization of certain work. And then when we launch that work, we're like, man, we need to fix that in the next release. We need to fix that in the next iteration. And then it never gets done. So that's why I want to talk a little bit about design debt in this episode. Design debt, if you're not super familiar, is basically incurred when designers and researchers are working under extremely tight deadlines, and they have project constraints that are really tough. And basically, you can't you know, get blood from a stone, so the more that you squeeze it, no matter what, you're not going to be able to get certain things done, everything that you need to get done in a certain amount of time. And there's a couple of different factors that contribute to why you might have design debt. Such as, everyone's favorite, design by committee. Everyone is helping to design this one thing. And there's so many tropes about everyone arguing about the color of a button. Should it have rounded edges? Should it have square edges? Should you make the logo bigger? I don't like this color blue. Change it. And that's very tried and true and bullshit but design by committee is just really difficult because everyone's very subjective and that's different from a design critique where everyone is looking at things from an objective point of view and helping you to improve your work that's one area that can definitely create some time crunch and constraints because the more that you're arguing over a fart the longer that the project's taking and you have to get work done Really poor communication and documentation about the requirements, the user stories. If you're missing any user research, that is also going to play a huge opportunity in creating design debt, because if you haven't had any of that communication and wrote any documentation of decisions and ideas, hasn't there? So you're left really wondering, what did we talk about? Who decided this? So. Poor, ineffective communication is definitely one area that's going to affect your design work and incur more debt as well. Also, you're going to run into potentially like really poor QA testing or UAT testing. You even might get the information off to Business analysts later, and they haven't had the time also to look through everything. So that's that. It's that handoff between other folks, and your testing, and not actually implementing your work. So when that happens, you're then going under the assumption that certain things are okay, or there's non issues, and that will uncover some design debt once it's launched. Because if you had done your testing properly to validate ideas, then you would not be in that same position. Also, misinterpreting product vision, not understanding the product roadmap, and just, again, back to poor communication. If you don't understand what the goal of your product is and you try to shoehorn in a different mindset, and this could be totally innocent or you're just re-evaluating and rethinking about how the product should work. That could happen a lot of the time too, and that also builds in design debt as well. And then lastly, one of my favorite ones is legacy code. We can't do it because we're running on Java and it won't work on these newer systems. Or one particular one is, oh, we use SharePoint because... That's what we've always used, and we can't do that thing in SharePoint because SharePoint doesn't allow us to do that. Yeah, legacy code, legacy platforms, legacy systems that want you to be able to push the envelope and, and do new modern things that meet user experience needs but are harangued by technical issues such as code base, and also maybe knowledge of your engineers. Those are all contributing factors that could lead to having design debt. And then what happens is that you will be designing your service, your product, and as you run into these issues, certain other constraints come up. You need to hurry and move along to get the work out into the market. And once it's out into consumer hands, those little issues that were skipped over start to rear their ugly head. And what could happen is either those issues are continually to be ignored, or you will start to prioritize them and start to answering them. And that can be tough because, especially with software development, you're creating user flows and experiences that then also need to be built out and have to have certain interaction and certain expectations on functionality and capabilities as well. Design debt is tricky. How do you solve for it? How do you make sure that you're answering those? And how do you build it into your process so that you're keeping it to a minimum and trying to mitigate it before it becomes a big hairy monster? So just like with technical debt issues, prioritization of those issues needs to be key. You need to be able to look at what things weren't implemented and then looking at what customer feedback is coming from user experience research and be able to find where are the areas that have the most impact that you can then fix easily Where are the areas that are going to have the most impacts that are meaningful to implement without a whole bunch of review? And where are the areas that are going to be difficult to really implement but are going to have a high impact as well? That prioritization of low effort, high impact, high effort, high impact. If you can start to prioritize your design work that can help improve your product using the quadrants of high, low, great impact, low impact. If you can do that, then you can start to iterate and start to build into your next releases. If you're using user experience researchers to get customer feedback and information on how people are using your services, that can also feed your pipeline of what other areas are being uncovered, that weren't addressed or what areas that are being uncovered that you weren't even aware of at all. So hidden design debt. Now I know that it's really easy to say that. Tim, it sounds really easy to prioritize your design work, but we have other competing drivers that say we need to work on these other other things. That can be true, but if you don't advocate for implementing these design changes and these hidden areas, what's going to happen then, is that you're going to have a negative trend down with your customer experience. If you continuously prioritize short-term win type of things, what's going to happen is your long-time users are going to start to trend downwards. They're going to start to think that your service is not meeting their needs. And then what happens is that a competitor comes into the market and starts to answer and starts to address those user needs that you did not have in your own service. This is where we see the cycle of applications, software products, where they launch, they hit their stride, they're on top of the world for a little bit, and then they start to decline. If you can always prioritize your users' needs in your product, you're going to have much longer-term success than chasing short-term quick fix monetary issues that is only going to serve for a quarter or two. I'm a little biased on this because I have seen this happen a lot in my own career where we have prioritized certain technical capabilities because a particular person asks for them and it only meets their particular need. However, that person's important. We need to make them happy versus the 80 Thousand people that use this service every day and are having an issue with one simple area how can we make it easier for them to get their password or how do we make it easier for them to download this form versus the pet project of the one person? That is something I come across a lot in my career, and as well, we've had applications that I've worked on where we have focused on the short term, quick financial win how are we going to? justify doing that one thing for a very small subsect of our audience versus the vast majority of our audience who is looking for one or two other areas that we can easily fix or that is going to have the greatest impact. When you talk about design debt and the things that weren't implemented and people will bring them up, well, they're not an issue. People aren't finding it that big of a deal or something. Always back up your findings then with data and find out how customers are finding your app and your service and use that as ways to help prioritize. As well as in cycles of your software development, particularly with software, if you can prioritize certain improvements that weren't implemented in the last release, you can start to get that ball rolling so that those areas showing continuous improvement and iteration so that your application is meeting the needs of customers, is meeting their expectations and mental model, and is going to have a greater impact on the customer experience in a positive trend. So those are some of the ideas and thoughts I had around design debt. There's a great article from Nielsen Norman Group. They have an article on UX debt, basically the same thing, and I have found that when a product or service really is not meeting its users' needs, that's when they start to look elsewhere and that's the game a little bit. So if you want to stay in the game longer and you want to make a service that people really are proud of and are finding useful, usable, and is used, absolutely make sure to prioritize design debt and try to mitigate as much as possible and make sure that you just don't keep it in the back of your head or lost in your Figma files for the future. And with that, thank you so very much. Please check out all the links that I have on my my anchor page. I have some new documents that I put up on almanac.io about creating a design ops playbook as well as using Microsoft's accessibility tools to be able to run an accessibility audit of your website. And with that, thank you so much.